Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. Support for this episode comes from Bike NWA. Did you know that May is National Bike Month? Celebrate alongside Bike NWA as they host weekly and overall challenges throughout the month of May. It's easy to participate, free to sign up throughout the whole month, and is for all skills and abilities. Visit lovetoride.net forward slash NW Arkansas today and start logging your rides to win cool prizes. Hey, this is Gary Head at Signature Bank of Arkansas. We founded Signature Bank in 2005 with local ownership to serve our communities with the best bankers with the most authority to do business. We have succeeded in growing our bank to over $800 million in assets, including $50 million in growth in the first quarter in 21. We have 155 teammates that love our communities and the customers that we serve. We are always here to serve and eager to do so. As chairman and CEO, I welcome your call to have the opportunity to serve you. Please call 479-684-4700 or online at signature.bank and tell them that you heard about us at I Am Northwest Arkansas. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, 
entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn. And guys, listen, I'm really excited right now. And before I introduce you to my guest today, I am sitting back in a study room at the Fayetteville Public Library. You don't know how huge this is. For those of you that have been listening to the podcast since the beginning, the Fayetteville Public Library was like a second home for me. It's where I did a lot of my recordings. I will come back to doing recordings here in these study rooms. They also have a podcasting room, which I'm going to start using as well. But Kathy and the rest of the ladies up in the reference desk here on the second floor of the Fayetteville Public Library are amazing. They're genuine people. They know everything about this place. And if you haven't been to the library, you need to come check it out. I think it's one of the crowning jewels of Northwest Arkansas, not just Fayetteville, but of all of this area. When I tell people when they come to visit, I say, I'm taking you to a few places, Crystal Bridges. Maybe we'll go to the momentary. I'm going to take you on the, the bike trail and I'm going to take you through the University of Arkansas for a quick tour, but I'm also going to take you to our library. And people give me these funny looks, but then after I take them to the library, it's like, oh my, a game over. So, but all right, anyway, I'm back in the library, folks. So I'm excited. So, like Jack Nicholson in The Shining, I'm back. Anyway, today I have got a phenomenal guest with me. Wes Craiglow is running the Urban Land Institute office here in Northwest Arkansas, ULI for the uninitiated. And I'm going to let him more talk about it, but. It's an organization that I've been familiar with for years, and I think it's important that they saw a need. I mean, they're all over the world, but they saw a need to have a location right here in Northwest Arkansas to deal with the growth and deal with it in a positive way, meaning with foresight, with thought, with action and clarity in terms of what we want this area to be like in the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years when we get to a million people in this general census area. So. Without further ado, Wes Craiglow, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, Randy. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> yeah, I am too. I am too. It's, and it's, it's been a long time coming. We were supposed to meet last week, but things didn't work out and, and we're here now. And I'm excited because you've got a, a bunch of events coming up that we're going to talk about on the podcast. But more importantly, I want to introduce you to our audience. So I would love for you to give our audience your quick superhero origin story. How did you end up in Northwest Arkansas? working with the Urban Land Institute. Oh, yeah. So I'll be as quick as I can. Uh, it's, my background is in, is in municipal planning. So for most of my professional career, I've been working in planning, long-range planning, and in the zoning entitlement process, what we call current planning, down at the city of Conway. And was there when Conway was just exploding in growth. And that lent me wonderful opportunities to develop myself as you know, land use professional and make really great relationships with the real estate development community along the way. Saw myself as a partner um, to the development, to the growth of Conway, and in particular, the built environment of the city of Conway, what forms our built environment took, and the impact of that built environment on our residents, maybe from the economic point of view or the social and cultural point of view, public health points of view, and the list goes on. And I just really fell in love with this work. You know, graduate school, 
helped me along the way, you know, professional certifications and other institutional trainings along the way. And I just really poured my soul into, into this work. I really believe the intersection between the built environment and human behavior and ultimately the quality of our communities. And then a couple of years ago, the phone rang and I was notified of an opportunity that ULI was going to start a chapter, what, what we in the ULI world call district councils. The 53rd district council in the United States was, was nascent, but happening <laughs> and uh, an opportunity presented itself for me to apply and interview for this job. And it worked out. And here I am two years later running still the newest chapter in North America. Very How big is the 53rd district? So we're focused on Northwest Arkansas. Okay, it is just um, Northwest uh, Arkansas. The ULI Northwest Arkansas District Council primarily focuses on the two-county area here in Washington and Benton counties Okay, and all of the growth along the 49 corridor. But as necessary, I think you know we could reach a modest distance beyond that to support any other communities in need. Okay. All right. I love that. I love that. So how do you compare the growth that's happening here in Northwest Arkansas to say like Conway yeah. and what you experienced there? It's different in a couple of ways. And I'll start by saying it is higher in terms of volume per capita volume and growth. There is This is one of the highest, the fastest growing metropolitan areas under a million in the country. Sure. And, and it shows, I think we all feel like we blink and the landscape here in Northwest Arkansas changes. That I'm not suggesting that Conway was not a fast growing city. It was very much so over the last 20 years. But but I don't know that many markets in the country can are comparable to the level of growth, the volume of growth that we are seeing here in the Northwest Arkansas market. And that is a pressing reason. That's why ULI desired a footprint here. And that's why so many real estate community professionals here in Northwest Arkansas wanted ULI here in Northwest Arkansas. So it was a joint effort. And and I think it's I think this is the perfect organization for a market like this. The other thing I'll say about the differences between my pat, my background in Central Arkansas and my you know my what I consider to be my new and permanent home here in Northwest Arkansas is the regionalism. And I people ask a lot of times what's the difference between Central Arkansas and Northwest Arkansas, and and far be it from me to to try to describe them all. But as someone who studies as professional in this field, who understands economic development, community development, city planning, real estate development, I can attest that I don't know of many places with the regional spirit the way that we have here in Northwest Arkansas. And what do I mean by that? When it comes time for county and municipal governments and the private sector and nonprofit advocacy groups to to come together and collaborate on topics of regional importance, to work together as a collective, it's this Northwest Arkansas does it better than anywhere. And we were challenged sometimes in Central Arkansas to work together as a unified region. Very often we would find ourselves discouraged on certain region, what we felt were regional initiatives, maybe regarding transportation, for example, that we felt would could only be successful if everybody got along and agreed on them. And it was more of a challenge there in the central Arkansas market than it is here. And that's I think that's one of the most exciting things about doing work like ULI here in Northwest Arkansas is because everybody sees us as as if it's good for one, it's good for all. And we're growing as a region. That's how business sees us. In many ways, there aren't government boundaries. We just flow across those government boundaries. And ULI is, I think, it's going to be a powerful resource for helping bring a lot of people around the table collectively. Yeah. You know, and what I hear you saying, and I think it's important to repeat this for people that are, for the uninitiated that are not from this area, maybe thinking about relocating here, maybe thinking about bringing a business here, is that everybody plays nice in the sandbox. 
I think it's the easiest way to say it, right? It is, you know, I mean, it's like nowhere I've ever experienced, right? Yeah. Now. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, across cities, it doesn't matter. Fayetteville's looking out for Springdale. Springdale's looking out for Rogers. Rogers looking out for Bentonville. Bentonville's got Bella Vista's back and vice versa. Yeah. And I think that's really a nice thing. And that's something that I've experienced since I've been here. And I've, you know, it's hard to articulate it and I don't know what it is about it, but because of that, I just see, you know, there's just a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. for things to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And even when somebody's like Fayetteville's doing some affordable housing work and now it's spilling out and you're starting to see talk about affordable housing being built in other cities. Sure. And I think that's really interesting. So what would you say would be your primary mandate since you've been here to really kind of help get off the ground, right? Because I mean, I know you can't can't focus on everything at once. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, focus is, what is it? Follow one course until success. That's and right. so- so what, and if that were the case right now for what you're doing and you're a military man mm-hmm. and, and you served in the Guard, thank you for your service, but yeah, yeah, you understand right. that. What is your focus right now? Good question. And can I give a little bit about our mission first oh, for folks who may yeah, not be yeah. familiar? I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. No, you're sure. great. And then I want to make sure I answer that question. So the Urban Land Institute is a nonprofit organization, global in scope, as you mentioned. We have 53 offices here in North America and offices in Australia and Asia and Europe as well. We've been around since 1936, so celebrating our 80th birthday this year. And we began as a professional association of really a small group of real estate developers at the time. And and over the decades, we have flourished into a membership association with almost 50,000 members worldwide. And you heard me mention all of the various global offices that we have. And we also have research centers now up in Washington, D.C. that work with the private sector community to analyze what's going on in the real estate development community and publish publish research about the emerging trends and best practices that are available to the development community. About 80% of our current membership is the private sector community, primarily made up of developers, but right on the the share of the pie that are that are owned by developers are are lenders in the debt and equity community or financial investors, designers, architects and engineers, the two largest of those. The list goes on, I mean, right down to like commercial title companies and real estate law. But the private sector does make up the largest share of ULI membership and partners. The other 20% is going to be local government, academia, nonprofiteers, people who are also deeply invested in the, the built environment and ensuring that their communities grow in the wisest possible way. And that brings me to the mission of ULI. The mission is simply to transform communities for, for the greatest impact possible. We, ULI, as a member network, attempts to leverage the brain trust that is our members, many dozens of them here in Northwest Arkansas, many tens of thousands around the world, and collectively share ideas and come up with solutions to challenges and opportunities that face communities throughout America and lay that talent, lay that talent out in the public sphere where it can influence change, whether it's on the private practice side and development patterns or it's on the public practice side and policies that that entitle the built environment, right? The zoning ordinances and the land use plans, the master street plans and parks plans and the list goes on. So yeah, our, our mission simply put is to improve the built environment for transformative impact throughout the world. So what are we working on here right now in (laughs) Northwest Arkansas? I think it's safe to say that housing and transportation are at the top of the list. And I put them together on purpose. H plus T is kind of the buzz phrase in the industry right now because they are inextricably intertwined. 
you can't have housing costs without transportation costs impacting and vice versa. So what do I mean by that? We can drive until we can afford it. And that's how it's going right now in America with housing costs on the rise. And so what we're seeing here in Northwest Arkansas and coast to coast is largely agricultural, historically agricultural land on the periphery of major metropolitan areas that rapidly develop with single family homes and large scale apartment complexes, because that's where cheap land can be acquired. Mm -hmm. It makes sense from a dollars and cents point of view, but the average Northwest Arkansan is spending 9100 and change per year on transportation costs. And those transportation costs are, are associated directly to their housing costs. So we may buy ourselves some cheaper housing, but if we're constantly updating our car or buying an extra car or additional fuel, additional maintenance, mm -hmm. and the list goes on, all we're doing in many cases in America and here in Northwest Arkansas both is trading housing for transportation. And it works, the relationships work, works in the inverse too. Yeah. So the more local, the more hyper-local we can create our lives to be, what do I mean by that? Putting residential areas near service and, and employment areas, we cut down on people's need to, to be in their car as often. And we directly impact users from their transportation, their family transportation costs. But secondary and tertiary impacts are grand as well because we can cut down on things like traffic and the need to widen streets and idling cars, spitting out pollution, and the list goes on and on on the secondary and tertiary positive impact. So housing and transportation are connected. They cannot be disconnected. And I think just like most of America, that is the number one priority for organizations like ULI because costs are just dramatically skyrocketing for housing and transportation right now. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. I mean, I sold a house this time last year and, and, you know, we put it on the market pretty quickly and, you know, got an offer within like a day or two. You know, there was a little bit of competition, but I've talked to people that have put their houses on the market recently. And at the time of us recording this of, of May of 2021, it's insane. It's insane. You know, in terms of just so I keep wondering, I mean, okay, well, when does the other shoe drop or how do we deal with this? Or is it going to come to a point where there's a market correction or some type of event that slows down this bull in a China shop when it comes to real estate growth and home prices increasing? Yeah, that's, a, that's the question everyone's trying to answer right now. <laughs> I will say that we have a supply and demand challenge. It is acute here in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah. Um, it is. There is There are supply-side challenges with overall production on the number of dwelling units being delivered to the landscape here in Northwest Arkansas as it relates to the number of people needing dwelling units. Mm -hmm. um, we're at a deficit currently, not a huge deficit. I did some back-of-the-envelope math a couple of weeks ago, and it, you know, based on what I'm getting from Mervin and his team at the CBER on their Skyline report, it looks like we're maybe 2%, 3%, somewhere in that range, under-delivering on supply. Wow. That doesn't sound like much. We're delivering to market 2 or 3% fewer homes than people want to buy. And you might think that's no big deal. But you know, relative to the number of people moving here each year, that is dozens, potentially hundreds of families that are unavailable to find a home. That is a significant problem and it has a dramatic impact on demand, which in turn drives up prices. And that's where we're getting our bidding war. There are much, it goes much deeper, more fundamental challenges right now with the housing market. We know material. If we, if we watch social media, we've Wood. probably seen the, the, <laughs> the lumber memes floating around. That's yes. I think material is challenged. There's a rabbit hole we could go down there. The labor market is tight right now. There's a rabbit hole we could go down there. 
The Fed is making money easy to get. Interest rates are very competitive right now, obviously, and stimulus checks are in everyone's hands, virtually everyone. And yeah, the demand is through the roof right now. To your point about will it market correct, I read a lot of research just thanks to my job. I'm by no means an analyst myself. I am not an economist, but the research that I read leads me to believe, Randy, that we will not see a major correction in this market. This is not a bubble, a la 2008 and 2009, but that we may see a leveling off in the coming years and it will not come too soon. Because right now, Northwest Arkansas is growing our median home sale value is growing at about 10% per year, every year for the last four years. And that is unsustainable growth. Now, if you're a realtor or even a homeowner like myself, you look at your equity or your sale value and you're like, wow, this is great making some equity and you know realtors are turning a good a good commission and there's I mean that's that's how the economy goes I, the challenge that I have is the ability for people to afford home to me I put that on the priority to even the growth of my own equity you know satisfying as it is to see that home value going up I know that with 10% year over year increase to my home value that is, all that means to me is that more and more people who want to make northwest arkansas a home cannot And so what I want to see instead of a major correction, which frankly, I don't think is coming, I just want to see a slowing of the rate of increase. I would love to see it come back down somewhere closer to the standard rise of consumer price index or commonly referred to as inflation. So home value increases of 3%, I think are where healthy economies should be. 10%, there is simply no way wages will keep up with that over the long term. And that will become a threat to us in Northwest Arkansas. One of our competitive advantages, Randy, is is housing affordability. Has been for a very long time as we compete for talent against markets like Denver and Nashville and Austin and Atlanta and for sure the coasts. We can hold out that carrot of having an incredible place to raise a family and live and start and do business and also get a cheap house. And we're losing that competitive advantage and it will harm us all, I believe. Quickly, as I might add, because when I came here in 2014, I thought, man, everything, I could buy two houses. I'll take two over there and two of it. Now I'm like, man, can I get one? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I own a house, but I mean, if I wanted to buy something else and and my wife and I have been thinking about it, but we're like, man, you know, it's tight. You know, you have to figure out how you can do it. That land is more expensive now. So, I mean, it's just a number of factors. And then when you take into consideration the Walmart effect, the J.B. Hunt effect, the Tyson effect, all of these great you know, Fortune 50 companies are trying to attract new talent to mm-hmm. the area. And most of these new talents will need a place to live. So I think you know, those are the things that we have to think about as we continue to grow. If we lose our competitive <clears throat> advantage, it's going to threaten our broader economy, to your point there. Yeah. Um, there are great jobs in other markets. What attracts people here is the quality of place of Northwest Arkansas and affordability. And so ULI, what ULI wants to do is find a piece of that puzzle. What piece can ULI affect for the positive on the supply side? And go deep on that and bring a brain trust of the smartest people in the room nationwide and also our leaders here in Northwest Arkansas to descend on that piece of the puzzle and at least attempt to solve it. So when I talk about slowing the rate of growth from 10% per year on housing increase price, a housing price increase to closer to, you know, let's get it down to eight or six or four. I believe that that ULI has a role in helping that happen. There are a lot of other role players. I mentioned it's a complex puzzle. But I'm really excited about what we can do as a network and as an organization for change. 
So tell me this, because this is an interesting thing. When I came here from Boston, of course, in Boston, I understand what higher density living is like. Yeah. I mean, totally understand. That's sure. We have triple deckers and, you know, yeah. and, and multifamilies like that. It's on a whole different level. You know, you're living on multiple, on top of multiple people. But h- how do we sell that here, that those higher density developments, right? Because as I'm thinking about it, when I think about what is available land, there's not a lot of available land in the main trunk of Northwest Arkansas. And I'm thinking between like 265 and 49 North and South, that main trunk area, there's, there's not a ton, ton of land in that area. I bet there's half. Huh? I bet there's half. Really? I bet there's half. And I'll bet you there's right now, there's you, there are uh, GIS techs listening to this that work for like the regional planning commission or <laughs> the counties or the cities up and down the corridor who are probably like screaming into their, their speakers because you would be shocked at how much available real estate, fallow vacant land that is ready to be developed, what we call infill, if it's yeah. going if it's going in existing areas, yeah. whether it's your the heart of your downtown or the peripheral edge on the edge of your city limits. We just colloquially refer to that as infill. infill. Um, I bet you, and I'm just taking a bold stab at it here, Randy, but I'll bet you we're only half developed in the currently annexed government boundaries of the major cities up and down the corridor. And that's really where it boils down to smart development that's exactly and smart right. growth. That's exactly right? right. And that's where you come in and that's where people like what program that Keaton Smith is working yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Keaton's fan. a good guy. Yeah. He's been on the podcast and, and, you know, I mean, there are a lot of people that see that and even myself, I thought, you know, I, I thought I would love to build a place. And I, and I said, you know, when, you know, you live in New England, I mean, they're not building any more land. Mm-hmm. So your only option is to go up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said, I said, wow, you know, if I, if we built another place, I'd say it'd be nice to build a duplex. Yeah. Would I have a better shot at building that than building a single family just because, you know, I could probably use the same, same space and build a really nice duplex, you know, and make it really nice and, you know, kind of introduce that to the market. But I, you know, people come here and they're like, oh, I want land. I want space. I want, you know, and that's kind of the challenge. How do you kind of bridge that gap there. It's tough. It is really, and I, I don't have any other word for it. It's hard <laughs> work. We have in this country for three or four generations rewarded single family home ownership mm-hmm. from a deep emotional level of associated with the manifest destiny of, of the frontier West in, yep. the, in the United States and in the Homestead Act. You know, everybody gets, you know, if I'm going to mess up this, the phrase here, but like, you know, 40 acres and a mule, yeah. I think was the old saying. Yeah. Like there is something deep seated emotionally connecting to Americans about that image of a piece of land and the ability to, to deliver on the fruits of your labor. I think that image of the man, that homesteader manifest destiny of, of expansionism connects directly to the suburban lifestyle. Most of us don't have a mule in our backyard. I don't. (laughs) And I live in the suburbs. Frankly, I live over at the base of Sequoia near Root Elementary. I've got a a little house in the suburbs and I love it. But there's something about it that feels when I can walk into a backyard, a private space, it feels a little bit like I've got, you know, I'm a little bit of, I got got my piece of the prairie or my piece of the woods or whatever. And I think that attraction, that connection is really deep in America and it is hard to break from. I think when you connect it, to the reward of, of home ownership and equity and recognizing that the vast majority of Americans' greatest source of wealth is the equity in their home, it gets even harder to break away from. That's not lost on me. And I guarantee, and even I'm an urbanist, self-professed urbanist myself. 
I no longer live in the heart of downtown. Yeah. I can't afford it. <laughs> no, Full I stop. Know. And I will, we can come back and revisit that. But I live as close as I can to the services and amenities like parks and schools and downtown that I can afford to. And I get it. I'm attached. I empathize with that manifest destiny spirit of having a little piece of land, having my own little homestead. I can garden and let my dog run around and play in the backyard with my kids. And also having a lot of my personal wealth wrapped up in home equity. How do we get away from that? I think it's taken us a hundred years. And at, for, it's, it's taken a hundred years. It's going to take another hundred years uh, before we see dramatic change. First things first. I just believe that we've spent a long time creating this America, this primarily car dependent, suburban oriented post-war era America, the better part of a hundred years. And it's going to take the better part of a hundred years of organizations like ULI partnering with other community members uh, who get it to turn this ship around. It's going to be, I think, the long game. Oh, and I lost what I was going to say, but ultimately that answers the question is it is there is no quick solution. This is a hard problem to solve and it's going to be done very incrementally, I do believe. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting too. I think, you know, I was watching a video this weekend about the graying of our population and how people are getting older and they kind of need those support systems. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you think about how important community is from that vantage sure. point, right? So, and actually you got you have a lot of people. One of the things I didn't realize about Northwest Arkansas was that this is actually a haven for people, for retirees, because you kind of have the best of both worlds. You have pretty good weather. It's never too fundamentally absurd, except for this week that we experienced this past February. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we, you know, you can kind of get along and you can grow a lot of things here. There's a lot of benefits to being in this area. And you're close to, you know, five hours to yeah. Dallas, uh, three hours to Kansas City, you know, an hour and a half to Tulsa. So you, you, you're you're kind of in the middle of a lot of things. That's right. So, um, and there's some real benefits to that. But I think it'll be interesting to see how this area continues to evolve from that perspective. Because I think it is going to be important that as our society, as we see people get older, mm-hmm. live longer, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be around. And so that means that you have to create, you know, community for everybody, right? Not just the young whippersnappers, but even the older folks. And You might be surprised to learn that the AARP is probably one of the national leaders, for surprisingly so, but one of the national leaders on changing the way that we build the landscapes okay. in North America. And because they see the value, the same thing you're beginning to describe here, as people age out of their suburban lifestyles and suburban homes that were frankly warranted you know, for a lot of reasons, raising kids and the like. Um, but as they age out of those, they don't need three and four bedrooms or more. They don't need a quarter or a half acre to maintain. And they're making decisions for themselves about how to downsize and simplify their lives so they can invest their time and energy and money and other things. And what are those things? Well, it's being a part of the community. And how mm-hmm. do we get people close to that? So we get back to the built environment fundamentals of things like infill development and mixed use development, walkable communities, safe streets, you know, uh, a broad mix of, of the things that we seek. I mean, you know, maybe it's the community center or maybe it's a medical care or maybe it's park space and trails or other people in that demographic. We definitely see it with the younger audience in the heart of our downtowns. And what we're beginning to see is the empty nesters coming back there for the same reasons. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I recall what I was going to say about the challenge. It is we're fundamentally our mortgage loan system is fundamentally set up for single family and duplex residential. Our building code system is as well. So I want to circle back. That's there are we are codified in how we uh, seek 
lending for the type of homes that we possess. So those buy things have the, to change. And the type of homes that developers can deliver due to the due to the regulatory environment. We have absolutely canalized ourselves primarily to single family residential environment. And it's going to take a long time to to unprogram all that stuff. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, part of your mission is transportation piece. And you know, we talked earlier about the whole bike movement and how our green space here is is pretty amazing to say the least. Yeah. And 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 that's just I'm mildly putting it that way. It's I enjoy it. You were you were talking about how you and your son were out on it this past weekend. I get out on it all the time. And so, you know, what are your hopes in terms of, you know, really ensuring that we continue to push to connect yeah. these cities and even on a broader case than where we are now, because we have a, a thick trunk of the Greenway that pretty much goes right up the middle mm-hmm. of this area. But, and I've noticed as I work up in Rogers that there are some T's off of, off of the Greenway with, that are connecting, but what are your hopes or what do you, what would you like to see that would really make, would really create a level of interconnectedness that we don't quite have just yet here in this area? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great and complex question. The first word that comes to my mind is equity. Okay. I get the sense that there are a lot of people in every community in Northwest Arkansas and, and America who need access to alternate methods of transportation. They don't own a car, Randy. Yeah. They depend on, on getting rides from others or they depend on absorbing the cost of an Uber or a taxi or they walk or they ride their bike. And it is not by choice. It's not like they are the urban commuters who choose to throw on a messenger bag on a hip, you know, $2,500 e-bike and zip across <laughs> town to work. Right. These are folks who I, I was, I was on Facebook this morning and I'm on a, a Facebook community and someone was looking for a free bike that they could donate to, to a friend of theirs in need. It is real. It is pressing. There are community members that don't necessarily participate in the bike culture here yeah. by choice. They participate in the bike culture here by need. And, and that should be, I believe, our first priority. Every penny we spend, and don't get me wrong, I think we should be spending a lot more pennies. I think every city should dedicate 10% of its transportation budget to pedestrian and cycling infrastructure at least. That should be the goal. Just make the decision and make it happen. If we're going to spend $10 million this year on transportation infrastructure, we're going to commit to putting a healthy share, a million dollars a year in a city of 5,200,000 would have a dramatic impact to cycling and pedestrian infrastructure. And if your city's not there, you should press them to get there. 10% is not asking too much for mandatory modes of transportation, like walking. We all do these things. Right. But for those who need it most, they deserve equity and access. They deserve to get to work. They deserve to see their kids and have their kids see their friends. They deserve to be as participatory in the landscape as any middle income and above American is, yet they're not because we don't build transportation infrastructure for them. Yeah. And as much as I love quality recreation transportation infrastructure, I use it all the time. I mean, we live on our bikes. We love it. I think it's part of the reason we think we'll never leave Northwest Arkansas. <laughs> we are consumers and we, we hold it dear. I want everybody to have that same level of access and I don't see it yet. Yeah. And yeah. so that is the word equity transportation, equity and access to transportation, to put a phrase on it. It's about making sure that everybody can get from point A to point B across Northwest Arkansas at the method of either they're there choosing or their need. And we're not there right now. And we won't get there until we start spending more money and the cities have to do better. Private development does too, Randy. 
every single private development that's doing, uh, you know, uh, developing the back 40 into a bunch of single family homes, every apartment developer, every corporate park, you know, office tower developer, shopping center developer. Maybe I give some grace to the industrial parks out on the edge of town. I get yeah. it. There are some areas that, that may or may not get the demand. But private sector heading off the hook here. You guys got to yeah. start to you got to start folding. Maybe, cycling maybe, maybe something like a quarter mile trail for each door you put up. Right. Something I don't like. I don't have the answers there. That's where <laughs> so, I count on the ULI I, network, yeah, the brain no. trust. I want to bring people together to talk about how to get this done. And it's going to be different in a city like Fayville than it would in a city like Rogers. And right. Rogers will do something totally different than Cave Springs or Elm Springs. Every city on every private developer can decide for themselves how to get it done. What I'm suggesting is do it. Yeah, that's it. I love that. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned, I mean, we talked earlier about Bike NWA, which is a great organization yeah. that really tries to bring a lot of this together. I also had the, um, the folks from Arkansas Latinas in BC who saw that, you know, that, that, that a lot of women that looked like them didn't have access to bikes and they were making that happen. I've also spoke to the folks at Pedal It Forward NWA. So, Maybe that person that you mentioned that doesn't have a bike can go to them and get a bike because I know they have. Pedal It Forward was tagged in the comments this right. morning. So, so yeah, keep up the great so, work, y'all. Yes, they, they, <laughs> they're doing a good job and, and uh, Kenny and his team over there. So, but yeah, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot, I mean, Paxton and the, and the folks at Bike NWA are doing some amazing work and there's a lot of opportunity for growth in that area. For sure. And it goes beyond cycling too. I mean, I think I'm a huge fan of cycling and walking because I think those are, I think walking obviously is super pure. And and let me, I I would be remiss if I failed to mention folks in wheelchairs or other, uh, you know, handy capable among us. They have their methods that that demand, you know, transportation equity as well. And I want to make sure that they're included in my dialogue here. Fundamentally, what I mean is if you're powering through your day using your body in one method or another, you should get priority. Well, maybe not priority in terms of total volume dollars spent, but you should absolutely have a priority share of investment and attention. All of us, you know, powering through our bodies or through our days, using our own physical power, that is nothing special to anybody. It's part of all of us. Obviously, the automobile we've built in America, I don't have to say it, automo- we're going to keep spending money on automobiles. We just, mm-hmm. we are, and I think we should. I'm an all of the above kind of guy. I just think, you know, maybe a modest share smaller especially if we change the way we do the built environment. What I do want to get to here, Randy, is is mass transit. I don't know many places that are as well positioned for rapid bus transit and local bus networks as the Northwest Arkansas Corridor. Obviously, we run north and south, and most of our cities here are old enough, especially in the downtowns, to have a grid streets pattern. And this is, it's, that's really, really conducive to local bus. And corridors like 265, 71, 49, uh, 112 out west, these north-south corridors are really well suited for bus rapid transit. So the ability for people to ride a bike or even drive to a collector lot, grab a local bus, the local bus gets you to a transition lot and the transition gets you BRT, bus rapid transit, which kind of behaves more like a train, longer legs, faster spaces, potentially some prioritization um, during rush hour on 49. There's lots of ways to skin that cat, but but ultimately a well-integrated system of mass transit. I think rail is out there on the horizon somewhere, but it is way expensive. And I, th- I think that's what keeps it on the horizon for most markets our size. But there's no reason we shouldn't be doing local bus service and bus rapid transit, regional transit up and down the corridor at a much higher volume. 
just a plug for the Ozark Regional Transit team, Joel Gardner and his guys. Yeah. They got a new master plan, yeah. and I definitely encourage all the city leaders to have a have a look at at what uh, Ozark Regional Transit's come up with because I think it's a really great solution for the near term. Oh, absolutely, I do too, and I, I'm on, I'm in their Facebook group, and I'll put a link to all of that in the show notes so people know how to connect with those folks. I think it's interesting though, and I'm I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are. Even with this idea that maybe we're a little far off from even con- considering some type of light rail option, mm-hmm. how do you kind of connect the dots when you know that there's going to be continued building in the meantime so that, that by the time we do decide to do it, then we're like, oh man, where are we going to put this thing? Yeah. You know, and that's always the challenge, mm-hmm. right? You think about like, because I, I think about Boston what has one of the oldest subway networks in the country and the world for that matter. And I mean, that thing's been around for forever yeah. and it was there before there were really cars. So, you know, it's like, how do you, you know, kind of recti- how do you, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think about Boston and look at what they're, what they've done over the last 20 years with the big dig. I mean, you've yeah. got to figure out how to shoehorn <laughs> expansion of mass transit into a really, you know, a effectively completely built environment. Man, it was so a we, night. It was a night. I lived through <laughs> the big dig. I survived the big dig. I got the t-shirt to prove it, but it was a nightmare dealing with it. Now that I go through there now and I'm just like, man, you know, even now they're saying, well, maybe we underestimated what the real need was, Ooh. you know, like we could have done even more. And, and it's nice. It's really nice. Don't get me wrong, but I remember the pain that it took to uh, expand things. Yeah. And, so know. I think we have a huge opportunity here in Northwest Arkansas right now, Randy. And that is our youth. I know a lot of people who have been in Northwest Arkansas uh, for uh, you know generations, their entire lives and beyond, are rolling their eyes when they hear me. This newcomer named Wes talk about uh, <laughs> the youth of Northwest Arkansas. I get it; it's not lost on me. There was a time when these were just small, quaint communities, maybe maybe with the exception of Fayetteville. But even considering all of the explosive growth over the last twenty or thirty years here in Northwest Arkansas, recognizing that we're a half million people right now in the in the metropolitan area. We're going to double in our lifetimes, Randy. Yeah. I mean, the Regional Planning Commission has, um, has projections that put us to a million by the year 2050. That's wow. double. And so we are really at a wonderful moment. As built as it is, there is still a lot of room to think about the future. And it's, we're by no means done. And so what does that look like? It, it looks like organizations like ULI and probably other major organizations like you know, the Regional Planning Commission, they've always got a keen eye to transportation. It's probably their highest priority of, of their mandates. The Northwest Arkansas Council, obviously regional focus on economic development and other pressing needs. I think organizations like us can work by, with, and through organizations like city governments and county governments to develop the easements necessary to support that future growth. Not too dissimilar to what happened when 49 was built or when the Razorback Greenway was built. People work together collectively around, you know, they, they had a shared vision and they each bit their piece of it off. And eventually everybody came along and we, we got those regional, those uh, regional features. That's right. But, but ultimately those arterials were created and it can be done with yeah. whether it's a lane, a special lane for a bus rapid transit system on I-49 or if it's securing space for rail, which frankly, we already have some rail space, a lot of old rail lines out there. Some are still current, just moving freight. Right. It's not uncommon at all to see passenger trains also sharing the line with freight. So there's a lot of ways to get there. And we still have, like, like I mentioned before, a lot of vacant land and opportunities to establish those easements sooner, not later, such that when the money and the time is right, you know, we can begin construction 
Well, I'm encouraged. I mean, just hearing you talk about it, if you feel good about it and you're in this, I mean, you're, you get your, your sleeves rolled up and you're in this deep every day. So I'm definitely encouraged to hear you say that. And I remember people telling me about back when, in terms of, um, you know, before the Bobby Hopper tunnel, getting up here, it was like, it was, it was an all day affair. Now you people like, you just don't realize how good you have it because it's just a quick jump. You know, I, I go down to Little Rock all the time with my son for soccer. And so I, it's, you know, you can kind of appreciate that. And that that's just kind of a an example of what good development looks like. Imagine being able to say that same thing about a trip from, if you're a fan of the of the Omahogs and you want to come down to Bomb Stadium, <laughs> watch some baseball, but you live up in Bentonville and, and game time's right after work. Right. And then you get down, you just want to hop on a train or hop on a BRT real fast and zip from Bentonville to Fayetteville, catch the game and then turn around and get home. And maybe while you're at the game, you have a couple of beers. And that BRT can support a lifestyle and a culture in such a meaningful way. It can enhance everything that's already great about Northwest Arkansas and do it to the point where the same way you're bragging about the Bobby Hopper Tunnel and the ease at which I-49 permits access between here and Little Rock, we can be in 10 years or 15 years talking the exact same way about an integrated bus system in Northwest Arkansas that just makes life here so much easier. And why'd we wait so long to do this? Those conversations start today. And I'm looking forward to ULI hosting a lot of them. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, we're, we're certainly excited and glad that you're here. And we, we really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to come on the podcast and have this conversation. It's important. I've been involved with Onward Ozarks with the Northwest Arkansas Council. And, you know, there's a, just a lot of regional talk right now about how do we continue to improve. And you're in the thick of it. So, Wes Craiglow, thank you so much. If anybody wants to reach you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? For sure. You can find me on our website at arkansas.uli.org and just head to the contact page on our website and you can find me. You can also find us and information about our events throughout the region and uh, the content and services that we provide on our social media pages, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Just give us a search there, U-L-I-N-W-A. And uh, I think that's probably the fastest, easiest way to connect. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll put all of that in the show notes so people have access to that. And, and and again, we really appreciate it. And I just want you to plug an upcoming event, which will happen after the release of this podcast episode. So people listening to this prior to the date of this event. Yeah. Uh, May, May 29th. Okay. Yeah. So if, you, if you're listening after May 29th, go by our website, check us out on social media, find out what the next big thing coming up is. But for those of you all who are going to listen to this prior to May 29th, would love to invite you to the Better City Film Festival hosted by ULI Northwest Arkansas and the City of Rogers. We will be the first main event for the first real event at the new Butterfield stage in Rogers Downtown Rail Yard Park. We're super excited about it. It's going to be about three to four hours worth of film screenings, all it's mostly micro documentaries about ways to make your city, get you passionate, get you inspired, connect with other people in a really casual Saturday afternoon setting, 4 to 8 p.m., downtown Rogers, Butterfield Stage, Better City Film Festival. Find information on our website. Okay. And then last but not least, I know when you're not solving the major problems in Northwest Arkansas, what do you do to unwind or relax? I know you said you like to ride the trails yeah. with your son. What else? I mean, for somebody maybe that's listening to this, that's thinking about moving here to Northwest Arkansas, what would be the one thing you would say to them that why they should really consider this area outside? I mean, we already made a case for it in this conversation, uh-huh. but but what would you say? Fly fishing. 
<laughs> okay. I am an avid, avid fly fisherman, Randy, and I look around at the access we have to rivers here to what yeah. we often call home waters. I've been here two and a half years and I still can't decide which is my home water. Man. We've got trout fishing below Beaver Dam. And White even, River. Yeah, all the way over yeah. to the White below Bull Shoals. It's I only mean, two hours drive, fishing. but like smallmouth are crazy right now. We got Illinois River, Kings River. War Eagle Creek, Crooked Creek, the white. I uh, spend a lot of time standing in need of waist deep water, casting, awesome. throwing flies at anything that swims. And we are super duper blessed here in Northwest Arkansas to have such incredible water nearby. Yeah, I love that. And if you're breaking bread and you want to take somebody out to eat, where would you take them? Ooh, I, I know this is difficult. My it's, backyard. My back- and I know that sounds like a cop out, but it is my favorite place to hang. I just, if anybody wants to hang, come on over. I would love I'm, to talk shop. To Let's talk about ways that. to make cities better. I'll do the cooking. Let's have a uh, cold drink sitting on the back patio and just get to know one another. It is absolutely my favorite place. We can smoke some trout and come out there. So. I can't begin to name my favorite <laughs> restaurant because there's like a hundred of them. But. I know it's hard, right? <laughs> Every time I ask that question, it's like people are like, oh, you're putting me on a spot. And I, I it's hard for me to answer because I have a lot of friends that are chefs. So I, I don't want to, I don't oh, want yeah. any one person. So I'm like, it's all good. You yeah. know, it, you it's know? tough. It's it so is. tough. It we're really we're very tough. blessed here. Yeah, no doubt we are. It. We are. So. Wes Craigle, thank you so much. Urban Land Institute, you guys keep doing amazing things. Thank you for all that you're doing, for the work that you're doing here in Northwest Arkansas. Keep it up and we'll make sure that if people need to reach you, they'll have easy access to contact you through our show notes. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Randy. You keep up the great work. I'm a huge fan and I look forward to all the releases of yours to come. Thank you so much. Well, folks, that's another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. You can listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Make sure you sign up today. You can also subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it. And please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. And remember, folks, our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for a new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.